0: Chapter fourteen of the life of kit carson by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A singular occurrence took place a few nights after the return of Carson and his friends from an extended bison hunt. Their horses and mules were corralled near the post, and a sentinel was on duty at all hours of the night to prevent the animals being stolen by the Indians who were always prowling through the neighborhood. IN THE dim, UNCERTAIN LIGHT, JUST BEYOND MIDNIGHT, THE sentinel SAW TWO MEN WALK FORWARD FROM THE DARKNESS, AND WITHOUT ANY APPEARANCE OF HASTE, LET DOWN THE BARS AND DRIVE OUT THE STOCK. VERY NATURALLY, HE CONCLUDED THEY WERE HIS FRIENDS WHO INTENDED TO TAKE OUT THE ANIMALS TO GRAZE. AS THERE WAS NOTHING MORE FOR HIM TO DO, HE SOUGHT HIS QUARTERS, LAY DOWN, AND WENT TO SLEEP. IN THE MORNING, NOT A HORSE OR A MULE WAS TO BE FOUND. THE TWO INDIVIDUALS WHO HAD LET DOWN THE BARS AND DRIVEN THEM OUT WERE BLACKFEET INDIANS, WHOSE COMPLETE SUCCESS WAS DUE TO THEIR AMAZING AUDACITY. HAD THEY SHOWN ANY HESITATION OR HASTE, THE suspicions OF THE SENTINEL WOULD HAVE BEEN AROUSED. BUT WHEN THE TRUTH BECAME KNOWN, HE WAS THE MOST ASTONISHED MAN AT THE FORT. THE HUNTERS WERE IN A MOST SORRY PLIGHT, FOR THE BLACKFEET HAVING MADE A CLEAN SWEEP, THEY WERE WITHOUT THE MEANS OF PURSUING AND RECOVERING THEIR PROPERTY the parties who belonged at the fort had suffered a somewhat similar trick a short time before from the same tribe, so that only a few rickety horses remained in their possession. Under the circumstances, the trappers were compelled to accept their misfortune with grim philosophy, and await the arrival of the rest of the party, who had promised to rejoin them after completing their business at Fort Walla Walla. Sure enough, a few weeks later, their friends appeared, and providentially, indeed, they brought with them an extra supply of excellent horses. The trappers were in overflowing spirits once more, and soon started for the general rendezvous on Green River. Other trappers continued to arrive for a number of days, until about all that were expected had come. Trade and barter had began, and lasted some three weeks. The scene was picturesque and stirring, and there was much handshaking and pleasant wishes when the time came to separate. Kit Carson left the employ of the Hudson Bay Company trader, and attached himself to a party numbering fully a hundred who had determined to trap along the Yellowstone. It will be recalled that Carson once quit a company of trappers because it was too large, and it may be wondered why he should join one that was still more numerous. THE REASON HE DID SO WAS BECAUSE THEY WERE GOING INTO THE VERY HEART OF THE BLACKFOOT COUNTRY. THEY HAD SUFFERED SO MUCH FROM THESE DARING MARAUDERS THAT THEY KNEW THERE WOULD BE NO SAFETY UNLESS THEY WENT IN STRONG FORCE. FURTHERMORE, THE WHITES HAD SO MANY OLD SCORES TO SETTLE WITH THOSE redskins THAT THEY MEANT TO INVITE ATTACK FROM THEM. IF THE BLACKFEET WOULD ONLY OFFER THE OPPORTUNITY FOR BATTLE, THE TRAPPERS MEANT TO GIVE THEM THEIR FILL. The formidable company arranged matters according to a system. Dividing into equal parties, the duty of one was made to trap beaver, while the other furnished food and guarded the property. By this means they would always be in shape to meet their sworn foes, while the real business which brought them into the country would not be neglected. The hunters were confident they would not be left alone very long. The Blackfeet would resent the invasion of their hunting grounds, and to say the least, would take measures to prevent the time hanging heavily on the hands of the pale faces. But, to the astonishment of the trappers, the days passed without bringing a glimpse of the savages. No hostile shot awoke the impressive stillness of the wilderness. Could it be the Blackfeet were seeking to throw the whites off their guard? Did they expect to induce a degree of carelessness that would enable the Blackfeet to gather their warriors and overwhelm them before they could reply? It was not reasonable to suppose that the sagacious tribe held any such belief, for they could not have failed to know that any such hope was idle. But the explanation came one day by a party of friendly Crow Indians, who stated that the smallpox was raging with such awful virulence among the black feet that they were dying by hundreds and thousands. Indeed, the havoc was so dreadful that there was reason to believe the whole tribe would be swept away it would not be the first time that such an annihilation had taken place among the american indians the treatment required by that frightful disease is precisely the opposite of that which the red man in his ignorance pursues when smallpox breaks out among them therefore the mortality becomes appalling the crow indians affiliated with the trappers and guided them to a secluded valley where they established themselves for the winter The lodges were made strong and substantial, and it was fortunate that such precautions were taken, for the winter proved one of the severest known for many years. With their abundance of fuel, they kept enormous fires going, and passed the days and nights in comparative comfort. But it was far different with their stock. During the severe weather, the only food that could be obtained was the bark of the cottonwood. The inner lining of this is quite palatable to animals, and in cases of extremity it affords temporary sustenance to men with its help actual starvation was kept away though it came very close unusual weather always brings unusual experience and the intense cold developed an annoyance to the trappers upon which they had not counted the difficulty of finding food was felt by the wild animals as well as domestic and the bisons became desperate when they saw the horses eating their fodder they rushed forward and with lowered heads drove them away if a horse or mule refused he was likely to be gored to death the beasts finally became so numerous and fierce they would have killed all the stock of our friends if they had not kindled large fires and mounted constant guard when the weather moderated those annoyances ended had any explorer of the west found his way to the secluded valley where the trappers were in winter quarters he would have looked upon a striking scene the crow indians and white men engaged in numerous athletic sports and friendly rivalry they maintained the best of terms and when the bisons departed the strange community enjoyed themselves far better than would be supposed in truth where they were favored with such rugged health and where they had plenty of food and comfortable quarters It would have been remarkable had they not been comparatively happy. They were not disturbed by political discussions or diversity of views on any public questions, and were satisfied that the glorious Union was safe without any worryment on their part. When spring came, two of their party were sent to Fort Laramie to procure needed supplies. They went off well-mounted and armed, and were never heard of again. Somewhere in the recesses of the forest or mountain, the Blackfeet had probably killed them, as they had done with many a brave man before, and as they have done with multitudes since. When it became certain the messengers had been slain, the company began the spring hunt without them. After trapping a brief while on the Yellowstone, they worked their way to the headwaters of the Missouri, They met with fair success, and while engaged in that section, learned that the reports of the ravages of the smallpox among the Blackfeet had been greatly exaggerated. Instead of being decimated, the tribe had not suffered to any serious extent, and were as strong and aggressive as ever. The trappers were not displeased to learn that such was the case, for they desired a settlement of accounts with them. Under such circumstances— It was impossible that hostilities should be long delayed. End of chapter 14